So I'll look at some questions, comments. First question that arises, questioner says, how to sit under suffering, as Ajahn Sumedho says. For instance, when I'm angry, I look at the unpleasantness in my mind and tightening of my chest and increasing my heart rate and breathing, burning in my belly, etc., etc. I observe it calmly for quite some time without going through the actual event in my mind and without expectation of sudden freedom from it and sometimes embrace it. But the effect of emotion seems to last forever Still, even after practicing for years, how to be at ease with the felt experience without reacting? Well, questioner, I wonder where you're looking at it from. You say, I look at the unpleasantness in my mind, tightening my chest. You observe it calmly. And effect, the emotion seems to last forever. So... I wonder where your, it's maybe a strange question, where is the observer? I mean, does that make sense? Um, what do you mean where? It's just the mind is witnessing. Yeah, it's witnessing, but it's not necessarily um, entering into the experience. Are you allowing yourself to be... Are you open to being touched by these emotions? Um, being affected, being disturbed by them? Or are you open to being disturbed by these experiences? They sound quite disturbing to me. I mean, I can, they're not outrageous, but they're, they're quite disturbing. You know? And it goes on for quite a while. That's also disturbing. How are you with that? Do you feel things aren't working? Um, I don't quite get it. feel frustrated. Um, how are you with that? I want to say, how are you with that? I'm not asking the observer how they are. The observer seems to be quite clear. Observers, nothing wrong with them. They're doing fine. They're okay. They, they're very clear on this. But when I say, how are you with that? The feeler, the one who feels, is not so happy with that. Right? Where's that? Where's the one who feels? Does, is where the right word even? But once we enter into the world of feeling rather than the world of observing, okay? world of observing is very clear at what's going on, can write it down quite clearly. But the observer doesn't seem to be really um, changing it. Because 
the observers in the world of seeing come from that place witnessing by the one who feels right that's the realm of feeling feeling is unpleasant isn't it these seem to be all very unpleasant not feeling unpleasant feeling not wanting to feel unpleasant feeling I would imagine you can't want to feel unpleasant feeling can you can you acknowledge you don't want unpleasant feeling can you respect the one who feels who doesn't want to feel unpleasant feeling can you feel some sense of compassion for the one who feels and if you do maybe the one who feels gets a sense of support maybe that sense of support comes into their body they feel just a little bit more supported in this difficult experience as they feel more support in this difficult experience of unpleasant feeling which nobody wants it's no longer a personal issue it's a universal issue nobody likes unpleasant feeling nobody wants it there's a resistance to it at that point would it be possible to relax the resistance let the feeling cover you let the unpleasant feeling move through you through your body through your back through your shoulders out of your belly down your legs into your feet through your skin and perhaps released through feeling the feeling as a feeling not not observing it but feeling the feeling as a feeling and when it comes down to that that simplicity tracing a fairly complex mix of emotions and phenomena it comes down to just one point don't want unpleasant feeling Okay, absolutely, hear you. And at that point, what doesn't want unpleasant feeling is a resistance. Could the resistance be sensed, relaxed, breathed out, and the unpleasant feeling wells up? breathe through, move through. It's only in the simplicity and the direct that the feeling realm comes undone. The only way out through the feeling realm is this very direct, vulnerable, open simplicity. 
unpleasant feeling. Don't want it. And the two, unpleasant feeling, can't do anything about. Not wanting it, could do something about that. <laughs> I'll do that. Because there's no other choice in the world of feeling. Whether you like it or not, feeling doesn't care. But if you relax the resistance to it, the pressure's off. Chance that the body and the nervous system could release that for you. Thank you for your question. Next question. Ajahn, you mentioned very briefly that time and space are the same thing. Might you be able to talk a little more about that, please? Well, in the realm of direct experience, realm of simple concepts, it's six o'clock, it's eight o'clock, it's two o'clock, it's Tuesday. Yeah. It's three days before this, it's five days after that. We're heading for New Year, and so that's the realm of symbols and concepts, because actually the trees don't, the sun doesn't, it's not written in the sky. We interpret it, we create these symbols and concepts. Yeah? We create a symbol called, a concept called 8 o'clock, or 2 o'clock, or whatever it is. Yeah? And we operate our days according to those symbols and concepts. They're symbols and concepts. Mm. We have another set of symbols and concepts. This is, this is what, one meter away from me. This is uh, the other side of the planet. This is 5,000 miles away. This is six foot deep. This is two meters wide. That's a, that's a concept. That's a symbol. There's no such thing as meters. They don't grow on the earth. There's no such thing as centimeters it's just something created concept in order to measure things by but we operate in those terms we say oh that's you know that's so far away and our visual consciousness is very good at saying this is near that's far the consciousness arranges things in according to that now the world of direct experience is different direct experience is that which can move you that which can disturb you, that which can gladden you, that which can sadden you, yeah? So, you know, that's not symbol or concept, it's a direct experience. Right? So there's no such thing as Monday or, you know, or a ten-mile walk. There's a long day, a day that's rushing too fast. There's a long way to go. Or a pleasant afternoon stroll. That's the direct experience, isn't it? Walking for half an hour in the freezing cold and rain is a lot longer than walking for half an hour in the sunshine. <laughs> right? That's a direct experience. What's happening? <laughs> Why is one a burden and one a joy? One is the time flew by. The time flew by. We're having such a good experience that time just rushed by. Yeah. And this is so boring, I can't put up with it for another minute. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Why can time move so fast? 
Why can it move so slow? Why can it just sitting around long time waiting, bored, too long? Yeah. Why does time change its characteristics? <laughs> because in the realm of direct experience, we're feeling it. And the feeling is not a symbol or a concept. There's no such thing as an hour. There's uh, pressure. Pressure, which means not enough time. Not enough time. Yeah. There's lack of stimulation. Boring time. Boring time. Really, this is such a long time. Sitting here, listening, this is a long time. Yeah. There's excitement. Oh, that's, that's going so fast. What's happening? Your nervous system is responding. <laughs> right? And that's what creates the experience, the felt experience of time is a measurement of your, of your nervous system when it's being activated. Now we have something like space, sense of space, we can feel spacious. I can feel spacious, you know, sitting in a very small room because if my body feels uncontracted, uncompressed, my mind is quiet, I feel spacious. Yet it can be that one could be in the middle of a very open field and feel completely compressed by thoughts and memories. Give me some space. I wish I could get some space from all these disturbing thoughts. All these people, what people? The people in my mind are talking to me, chatting to me, bothering me. I have no space. Well, what are we talking about? What's happening in your nervous system, which is what we're talking about. So, yeah, you could measure space, but that doesn't give you the felt experience of space. Felt experience of space is no pressure, no pressure, room to move. Felt experience of no time means at ease, comfortable. <laughs> yeah, the felt experience of too much time, too long a time means bored, yeah, not satisfied, discontented. The feeling of not enough time means pressure, pressure, being pushed. <laughs> the feeling of not enough space means compression, compression, something's weighing down on me. Yeah. So they're really time and space as direct experiences are really two aspects of the same phenomenon or the same coming from the same base. Your state of your reflexes, the state of your emotions, the state of your mind, the state of your nervous system. This is why it's possible to stop time. You know, so in deep meditation, the sense of time can disappear altogether. Just space can disappear. There's no, it's just infinite. And the Buddha talks about these states of infinite space, boundless space. I'm sure he wasn't sitting on the moon or out in outer space, but just the mind's completely, all the boundaries are gone, all the constrictions have gone, infinite space, non-measurable space, you know, and timeless, not delayed in time. The Dhamma is akaliko, which is not bound up with time. Now we can notice that things definitely change. We say change occurs, Change is a witnessable phenomenon, but time is an interpretation of feeling.
as spaces. Next question, how to sit, how to be with constant pain? Um, is that something that you... Like, why? Um, is it not possible to walk or stand or recline or something? Sounds very oppressive to me. Constant sounds pretty oppressive. If it's if it's a physical pain, is it not possible to rearrange your body so it doesn't experience constant pain? Um, and when you say to be with constant pain, is it possible that parts of your body are not in pain? Like I could conjecture that depending on your state of health, it might be that you're your back is in pain when you sit, or your legs are in pain when you sit. Of course, you might have other issues. I don't know. But um, it could be that your hands are not in pain. So we could, for example, spread our awareness to include the quality of the palms of the hands and keep relaxing them. We might find that the face is not in pain. And we could bring attention to the cheeks and the forehead and the eyes and bring a lot of attention up there and open them, because the sign of pain generally causes the body to contract and tighten up. So anywhere we can find a place where it's possible to open, open, it helps the body to, to find a balance with pain. It's not struggling. It may be painful, but it's not the same intensity of struggle. Now generally the response, the reflex around pain is to try to contain it, like a defence system, things closed to try to hold or isolate the painful area. Hmm? So, for example, you know, if you fall over and twist your ankle, uh, often the, the muscles and tissues in your calf or your leg will, will contract. Uh, yeah? And so sometimes you've got to go and get those areas massaged out because they go into a spasm. That's quite a, a natural reaction. Um, so, when we understand that, maybe it's possible to realize that, that while the body contracts, for sure, the mind will contract, the heart will contract. That contraction will make us feel stuck, fighting, resisting, and that doesn't actually solve anything. Now, you know, it's not easy, is it, pain? Not easy. Uh, but is it possible? It's not easy. But is it possible to find some place that isn't in pain in your body? Bring your attention there. Deepen your attention there. And use that as a kind of you could say a drainage channel where you can breathe the pain, breathe the pain, breathe through the pain and out of that open place. Could be in your face, could be in your back, could be in your throat, could be in your hands, could be in the soles of your feet. And um, yeah, it's not easy, but it's possible. Naturally, if we can find a, 
a balance so we're not saying we're not in pain but somehow you've found a kind of a a place where you can bear with it maybe also there's that sense of heartful uh, compassionate response rather than a resistance response could you say or advise something about the feeling that energy is blocked in the throat this is since months and breathing through does not seem to clear that block enough um, it may be the case that you experience the block in your throat but the block isn't necessarily caused by your throat it's being transferred to your throat okay so um, um, it's like sometimes you know we have tension in my shoulder but actually somebody massaging a place in my chest oh my shoulders relaxed because the source of the blockage isn't actually necessary in the area that's experiencing the results of the blockage the energy could be blocked somewhere else and what may happen is that the energy finds a place like a, a looser place where it begins to build up yeah so the throat is often a very soft vulnerable open place so energy may transfer there now you don't know where this and i don't know where this energy where the source of its blockage is but if it's not being shifted by focusing your throat it's not there <laughs> that's one thing we could probably <laughs> bear in mind or at least not all not the source of it isn't there so okay when i feel that blockage in my throat okay and then i just kind of widen my perspective widen my attention so where, where does that blockage how big is it say it's occupying half of my throat then what about what's immediately around that yeah if i've got a block in a certain place i might be able to investigate okay just beneath that or above it and just finding the edge the edge of that that area and then perhaps oh what's underneath that that's strange oh there's a little bit of a shimmer happening in the middle of my chest which i'd never noticed and i'm going down there and, oh something oh the diaphragm what's that doing you know there's traces the area that's having difficulty you kind of begin to widen your attention see if you can explore threads leading into that and trace the threads back to an area that is perhaps less intensely affected but is somehow connected to that somehow connected to it and then when you find the piece that's connected to it and you oh that and then oh and then perhaps there oh there's a oh i suddenly feel a sense of sadness that's what it was about <laughs> yeah i feel a sense of grief and it was being held in the heart but the energy traveled up into the throat so when you actually find or your, your inquiry takes you into the 
source, you might find a certain emotional resonance with it that uh, you don't have to understand it, you just have to open to it. So explore. But I think working around your throat is, is not doing it, is it? So widen your attention, inquire, look around to anything that seems connected to that in your body. And there might be an emotional uh, undertone that goes along with that. Thank you for that. So the next question, thank you for all these. It does, uh, um, I hope, it's of use to yourself, but also it may ring bells for other people. Um, questioner is able to understand intellectually the three characteristics. This is the characteristic of change, the characteristic of unsatisfactoriness or stress, the characteristic of non-self, impersonality. Right? These are called the three characteristics. Um, that can be seen in all phenomena. Okay? All phenomena are subject to change. All phenomena are needing support. They're stressful. They don't stand up by themselves. No phenomena creates, is a self. It's always itself. <laughs> anyway, but I realise that even though an insight may have a very powerful impact at that particular time, it's not enough to change mental habits or behaviours. How to fully realise and penetrate suffering so that it becomes firmly rooted in our chitta? I, I think... The real, you know, you know, you don't want the suffering rooted in your chitta. You want the penetration rooted in your chitta, <laughs> a realization of release. Well, um, as you noted, questioner, you said you understand intellectually and experience the three characteristics, but maybe, you know, that experience is kind of um, something to do with the observer, and the witness understands it by the one who feels isn't experiencing it, and the one who feels is the chitta. So the one who feels, or that which feels the chitta, that's one that experiences suffering and release from suffering. It's helpful to, to even understand these characteristics intellectually. Oh, this will change. Oh, this is not myself. This is just something happening, not myself. It's certainly helpful. And as we notice these mental, emotional, psychological phenomena wheeling by, passing along, you might think, well, phew, there it is, it's not me, it's stuff happening. And yet, <laughs> it still keeps happening. <laughs> uh, this is because, well, I would suggest a few things. I've been mentioning something like, um, I've called it core presence, and I've also called it embodied awareness. Um, it means... It's not just that you know the three characteristics, but also there's a presence there that is not these three characteristics. Sounds strange, doesn't it? If all phenomena are these three characteristics, conditioned phenomena, then what is it that's not these three characteristics? Or unconditioned. Which sounds like... Woo, that's a long way off. Maybe it's not such a long way off. Maybe we just don't refer to it. 
maybe it's actually a little bit nearer than we would think. Let's go to the feeling. Okay, phenomena are changing and passing, but I'm not happy. I'm still, something's not completed yet. It's still going on. I'm not happy with that, are you? Otherwise, there would be no question. What does the not happy feel like? Uh, surely this should do something else. No. What does it feel like? Not complete. Haven't really got it yet. Okay, you're telling the truth. You're not complete. You always tell the truth. So, what's not complete? The presence is not complete. Turn to the ground. Feel the feeling of dissatisfied, not complete. Feel the feeling not complete, dissatisfied. Come into the entirety, lengthen, widen your body. Don't move away from that feeling. Until yeah. your body begins to settle and breathe in and out. Particularly the pauses are long and comfortable. And perhaps some of that quality of frustration will begin to melt. Yeah. And there can be a realization of something more complete. So, question, person expresses gratitude, person experiences hypertension, something is very tense, seems to arise out of nowhere. It's unlikely to have a purely physiological basis, as I don't have any obvious health markers for this condition. A vegetarian for many years, meditator for over a decade, is likely related to an overactive and unbalanced nervous system. The mind knows very well this attitude isn't helpful, but it's stuck. Um, well, what do I say? You know, feel the feeling is a feeling. Hypertension. Risen out of nowhere. Okay, be, you know, be simple. Are you sure it's hypertension? What does that feel like? If you had to explain it to a five-year-old, what would you say? Uh, uh, there's a sense of too much energy? Or body feels like it's made out of electric wires? How would you explain it to a five-year-old? What it feels like? That's then you get much closer to the direct felt experience of it. Now, not being a five-year-old, I would suggest um, my complicated adult way that um, if it is hypertension, it needs to release. Uh, it needs some space. It's or it's striving to do something that it can't do. Like Sisyphus, you know, carrying the rock up the up the mountain, it always falls down when he gets to the bottom. Can't seem to stop trying to climb up the mountain with the rock. We get into these uh, feedback loops, these spins, whereby the system seems to lock into a habit that is trying to achieve something 
it can't achieve and yet it can't stop trying to. So it's a kind of overdue. It's like the foot has somehow rammed on the accelerator and the system is not regulating itself. Now the basic uh, regulator for the body is breathing. That's the regulator for this body, is the breathing system. And when I say breathing, I do not mean the track of air passing from your nose into your lungs. I mean the felt, the full body experience of in-breath, out-breath, everything opening with the in-breath, everything calming with the out-breath, the whole body breathing. You talk about breathing, we still automatically go to our noses and lungs. Now I'm talking about the life force as it breathes, yeah? the energy that goes with breathing, the energy that gets the air, the pump going, right? You know, because that's muscles, isn't it? It's muscles in your belly drawing the air in, yeah? And something, the body holds that process up into your diaphragm, your chest, your throat, to make sure the air comes in fully. When it's complete, it stops breathing in. It knows how to do that, otherwise you'd explode. And then at a certain point, it, enough, then it starts to breathe out. And you don't have to do it. It does it. That's the vagus nerve doing that, linked up. Now, when we get anxious, that nerve starts to pump, and the breathing pumps. We get panic. The nerve feels that, the breathing pumps. <laughs> yeah. We get angry, the breathing... <laughs> Yeah, it pumps. So there's an emotional stimulation that triggers that breathing through the nervous system. Now similarly, we feel loved and welcome and comfortable. Oh, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. So certainly there's an emotional thing there. And it can be that, you know, as we track this sense of the felt experience of tension, over-exertion that is a reflex, not a decision. The breathing could be affected by negative signals, just like fear, right? That's a negative signal. We see a fear signal, the breathing goes strange, right? So the breathing can be affected by negative signals or by positive signals. Now, it may be that there's some signaling going on that you don't really know because these signals are not necessarily given by things you can see around you. They can be given by messages embedded in you. You have to do. You have to make. You should improve. You don't know what. You're supposed to improve. So you just keep doing it. <laughs> because it's like, um, it's an equation. It keeps running no matter how much you put into it. The equation is saying you need to do some more. So whatever you do, the equation remains the same. You need to do some more. <laughs> so certainly this is why loving acceptance is very important. You don't need to do any more. Just appreciate the good that you've done. You'd look like you're living in a pretty blameless lifestyle. Appreciate that. Enjoy it. 
enjoy. They're enjoying this signal, this sign, the sign of enjoyment. Now, you know, what do you enjoy? Opera? Peanuts? Whatever. What happens when we go into the enjoyment? Something opens up. Oh! Oh, it opens up. It totally opens up to receive that which is enjoyable. We should meditate like that. And so in receiving the body, the feeling of the body is, oh, this is, this is amazing. This is living, vibrant system here. Wow. How amazing. You know? There's such a thing as, as breathing out when everything goes cool and peaceful and open. Isn't that amazing? There's such a thing as breathing in when things become fresh and bright and tingling. Oh, I didn't do that. It just happened. What a gift. We enjoy so there's ways of playing with some of these sort of psychological messages that we can have, including, and some of these messages get behind our meditation, don't they? You know, we should strive on diligently and get to the good results, which, yeah, but striving on, <laughs> which, you know, it takes work to enjoy yourself. <laughs> Because you've got to undo so many performance drives and expectations that it takes quite a bit of work to do that. To be simple. Yeah. And feel your feet. And stand on the ground feeling your feet. Feeling the earth, listening to the earth. Widening. Opening. To that which you don't have to do which is given presence, core presence, embodied awareness, feeling the ground beneath you, space around you, gift. And introducing that direct experience to that which is tense. Try to connect the two. So the next question, it's hard not to take a strong emotion personally. The feeling seems to linger on and difficult to let it go. How do you learn to be patient with that emotion without reacting and suffering? Um, well, you don't let go. Letting go happens, but you don't let go. Letting go happens when you have learnt to, when something in you has given up. <laughs> it happens when there's acceptance of the unresolvable nature of your emotions. <laughs> oh well, it's just that. <sighs> now that that's not the end result, but at least you begin to find a some place where you can return to a place that's not a strong emotion that's a cool place yeah so in every reaction that you give attention to with say open 
spacious, you know, as open and spacious as you can be, non-judgment, non-identification. No, this is happening in the body. When it's in psychological, it's extremely personal, and personality issues just grow around that like the pearl around the grit in an oyster. They just start to swell around the psychologies that happen when these emotions are seen and experienced psychologically and personally. If you can experience them as, as bodily phenomena, that takes a lot of stuff off the plate that you have to deal with. You can sense, oh, here I am, rising up, you know, fingers tensing up, feeling a bit heated. Okay, how is that? And where is it not heated? And where is it grounded? And, oh, mm. it's quite natural to feel strong emotions if there's not that stable core presence. Because they're all trying to get us out of trouble. But the trouble they're trying to get us out of, they're not dealing with it. The trouble that we need to resolve is being ungrounded. <laughs> and these emotional cascades don't take us to that ground by themselves anyway. Only compassionate awareness and embodied handling of those emotions takes you to that stable ground. If you're not on stable ground, you will be reactive. You cannot help it. If you're not on stable ground, you'll be overwhelmed. You can't help it. If you're overwhelmed, you'll be reactive. You can't help it. It's built into the system. If you're on stable ground, you'll not get overwhelmed. You'll be displeased, but you won't get overwhelmed. If you're on stable ground, you won't get reactive. You may respond, you may feel certain things, but you won't get into those jams. How do you truly forgive another person who's involved with, say, some emotional issue? You don't forgive other people. <laughs> like that. Anyway, that hap it happens over time once you've experienced the pain directly. Okay, so he did this, he didn't do that. He never did this, he always does that. I've told him a thousand times, he still does this, he still does that. Five years ago they did this and they never apologised and they're getting away with it. This is not going to get you anywhere, apart from more suffering. Get down to one word. Betrayed. Abused. Dumped. Discard. Yeah, what, get it down to one word. Okay? The heart speaks very simple language. It may not be absolutely true, perhaps, but that's how it felt. Even simpler, betrayed. How does that feel? Painful. Squirmingly painful. Gut-ripping. Really. Okay. okay, so now feel the feeling as a feeling. Feel the feeling as a feeling. Feel it in your body. Widen your body. One, your sense of your body, to hold that feeling, not to close it, to hold the feeling. Let the whole of your body come in to support holding that feeling from your top of your head, down your back, into your feet. Particularly these areas, the, the back and the feet and the legs. Bring them in. And the feeling 
is felt and the emotional reaction to it finds a release because the body is provided in a release. When that's happened, you can look at that person and think, this person has done harm, foolish person, what's it got to do with me? That's forgiveness. That comes later. Mm, so someone's domestic issues. My sister is not willing to help with house chores. My mother is getting old. I think it's unfair. My mother and I are being bullied by this person's sister. How to clear this ill will arising within me? Well, it's kind of, I think I've more or less said it. Um, you know, you can allow yourself to hate your sister deeply. <laughs> If that's what it feels like. <laughs> okay. I'm sure you don't, but something in you really... Yeah. What's that feel like? You know? Unfair, abused, used, taken advantage of, somebody doesn't care for my well-being. Get it down simple, 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 till you can get to that sense of the pain and discomfort. Try to let go of the story around it, your mother and your sister. Feel the feelings of feeling. Where does it hurt? And can you find a way to be present with that in your body? Breathing in, feel it, breathe it. Feel it, breathe it. Clear it. So someone's asking about the human realm of sense-bound existence, how the chitta is liberated through opening to the deathless. I'm wondering if sense contact can be an opening to the deathless. In itself, no. Sense contact is something that uh, gives rise to feeling and um, perceptions and responses. The opening to the deathless is the recognition of, huh, well, here we are again, uh, awareness, uh, which is not being contacted. So, you know, we rightly talk about the human realm being sense-bound existence. That's not the whole picture. That's part of it. That's not the whole story. For example, we have all kinds of um, qualities such as generosity. That's not sense-bound. We have something called loving-kindness. That's not sense-bound. We have something called clarity. That's not sense-bound. In fact, the most significant aspects of the human experience are not sense-bound at all. They're heart, heartful. And that's not something that's that mystical. Everybody gets that. Um, and so there's this, this realm, the realm of heart, which is not sense-bound. Um, and it's really in that realm of heart, as you begin to refer to that, here's the patience, that's not sense-bound. Here's the equanimity, that's not sense-bound. Here's the energy, the inquiry, the motivation, that's not sense-bound.
Here's the calming. That's not sense-bound. Those are all heart experiences. And you begin to sense they also have a, a, um, a basis. The basis, they arise from chitta. Heart. Chitta's not sense-bound. Is it? How can you remember what happened five years ago? In the sense realm, that's gone. But in your heart, it's not. How can you aspire to liberation? Where's that? Five miles away? That's not sense-bound. So the realm of chitta is not sense-bound. It naturally picks up the resonances that are dropped into it from the senses, but it's not sense-bound. If we fully uh, attune to that, right, we'll also begin to sense as an aspect of chitta, which is open, here now, not doing anything. There's a still center of chitta. That's not sense-bound. Where the energies of all those qualities, good qualities, bad qualities, you know, gen generosity has an energy to it, doesn't it? Devotion has an energy to it. Yeah. They've got those, those qualities actually settle down and evaporate. And it's a cool, still center. Center is the word, of course. That's called the escape hatch, you could say. Lumpur Samveda calls it consciousness, I call it chitta. Mm. This consciousness is rather so often associated with sense consciousness, but I'm not talking about sense consciousness and neither is he. I'm talking about the heart of consciousness, chitta, that which can be conscious, that which can be knowing. And it's not really an escape hatch, because it's not a hatch. <laughs> it's, it's the big, big un, unbounded that we generally move out through, into, we narrow ourselves, we locate ourselves, we restrict ourselves into ever, ever tightening restrictions. <laughs> it's a strange phenomenon. We restrict ourselves into the senses, we restrict ourselves into certain aspects of the senses, we restrict ourselves even further in trying to control the aspects of the senses. It's a movement towards restriction. It's called ignorance. You know, unrestricted chitta, we open, 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 open. And the senses drop out of our grasp because there's no grasping. Okay, um, let's pause for now. Thank you very much, and I hope that's been useful for all of you.